This is Killstreak. Dancing Clowns, it's Killstreak, episode 166. I'm Eric Goslin. Joining me here, as always, Mr. Mike Price. Mike, how are you, sir? I'm okay. Yeah. 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 We're all okay. I uh, just want to address this up top. It's looking like we're going to have to skip a week next week, um, which was a sudden thing otherwise we probably would have skipped this week and banked this episode and then so we could release it chapter one or it's actually just called it and then it chapter two back to back Mm. but uh yeah i got a new job that involves some travel which we didn't really know which days and it looks like it would make it very hard to watch a movie and record in the next week yeah yeah and it didn't seem fair to ask Eric to record in a hotel room after 12 hours of shooting. So. Yeah, I mean, there's a possibility on Sunday, but I have to watch the movie and I'll be shooting for a while. It's a three-hour movie. Don't really feel comfortable watching it on a plane either. Like, right? <laughs> that's that's, that's kind of bad form to watch a horror if movie. If you've never seen it before, yeah, I think yeah, so. Yeah, yeah. That too. I was thinking more of like just for the respect oh. of like no, little kids or something. Come on. I mean, if you're sitting next to a little kid, sure. If you're not, go fucking nuts. Yeah. That's what I say. Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see. But if you don't see a new episode next week, that's why. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Eric, you sent me a tweet earlier this week mm. about a certain franchise. Oh, yeah. That's once again being revitalized. Oh, yeah. A lot of positive language was used in it too. It's going to be the <laughs> scariest one yet. It's uh, a new, well, Lionsgate announced a new Leprechaun movie. Oh boy! Who to the applause of no one? <laughs> and it's a re- it's a reboot. It seems so. It's another the, one. Huh? Our third reboot of the Leprechaun series. No Dion Warwick in sight. What? Did I say Dion Warwick? Yeah, Warwick Davis. Warwick Davis. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, to be fair, no Dion Warwick in sight either. Yeah. You didn't. Yeah. No lies were were spoken. Um, Yeah. Well, I guess we've got a date next March, huh? Yeah, whenever it comes out, we'll we'll be Watch, there. they just release it in, like, January. <laughs> oh, it'll mess us all up. Um, yeah. I don't have much to report in terms of... Oh, in our third and final segment of this week, we'll yeah. be talking about the uh, new Stephen King short story-based film, The Boogeyman, which we both saw yeah. together. That's right. It's another, it's another uh, edition of Eric and Mike go to the movies. Yeah. We've never called it that way before, but but now we do. Mm-hmm. So stay, stay tuned for our thoughts on that. It won't be like a full recap like we typically do, but we'll yeah we'll get into our thoughts in short. Yeah, yeah. Um, congratulations to Nikola Jokic and the Denver Nuggets. Yep, they just uh, won the championship. I saw. 
Mm-hmm. Did you watch and the game? I watched about half of it. Yeah. Dominant form. The Heat had a shot for a minute, but they just kind of gave up, if I'm being honest. Well, we wish the Nuggets the best. <laughs> All Nuggets, including chicken. No. But. <laughs> All right, let's talk about it. 2017. What, what do you want to talk about? It. <laughs> I want to talk about it. What? It. Let's talk about it. You mean like sex? Let's talk about it, baby. Let's talk about you <laughs> and me. Oh, you froze uh, in a really funny way. Did <laughs> I? Like, like my like head a, tilted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, yeah, we are here today to talk about it. Uh, unfortunately, not the salt and pepper song. Let's no. talk about sex. Uh, Eric, did you see this movie in the theater? I did. Yep. Okay. saw it in theaters. Forgot okay. it was 3D until like two thirds of the way through this movie. I was like, there seems to be a lot of shit coming at you. And then I was like, oh yeah, it was in 3D. Was it? I believe so. I don't remember that. Let me look it up. But it's entirely possible. Um... I think there's just shit that comes out of you. Maybe. It seems what 3D-ish. Is. I mean, was it? Um, well, this is a, a film from 2017. It's directed by Andy Muschietti. Sounds very Italian. Is, in fact, Argentine. Hmm. Um, Muschietti came to this job via his short film, Mama. Uh, Mom. Which he made in Argentina, written by his sister, Barbara Muschietti, uh, who has become a successful producer in her own right and occasional screenwriter. So that short Mama was seen by Guillermo del Toro, who thought it was very good. And he executive produced... Uh, the full-length uh, English language adaptation of it, Mama, Mama, which you may know. I've never seen it. Or Some maybe I have. Of... You know what? I think I did see it. Hey, I want to get ahead of this before uh-huh. angry Jim Halls write us. Yeah. It was not in 3D. That's okay. Sorry. Seems That's like okay. it would be. A lot of shit's coming at you. <laughs> I just uh I just watched Jaws three D the other day. Oh yeah. What a piece of shit that movie is. <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> Sorry. Well, we'll see. For when we inevitably cover yeah. the Jaws franchise. Um Did you see Mama, Eric? Um I saw the I only saw just the end of Mama. The end. It was on it was on like HBO or something and then I flip like watched the end of it. <laughs> so I saw Mama. Yeah, I'm looking at the the plot synopsis, and I'm like, yeah, I did see this because I remember all this cliff shit. Yeah, yeah, I remember the cliff. That, but then I'm like, I did I only watch half of Mama? Yeah. Was it just on like <laughs> Showtime or something in the mid 2010s? Well, either way, uh, Mama was a box office success. Starred Jessica Chastain. Make a note in your notebooks. Yeah. That may come up again later in this franchise, but not in this episode. 
nope. much, if at all. It's hard to say for sure. Yeah, we're um, pretty unpredictable in that way. Yeah. Once we yeah. say we're not going to talk about something, we inevitably <laughs> talk about it. <laughs> With yeah. like a Tourette's level of, I can't help myself, I have mm-hmm. to say something. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel like that's the same kind of uh, idiosyncrasy that leads one to becoming a podcast. Yeah, yeah. We must talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> and you must listen. Um this was uh, an adaptation that lo- that got off the ground in 2009. That is when... Wow. Um, yeah, that's when the folks over at, uh, at uh, New Line... Well, actually, New Line was not involved yet. I think it was just Fox at the time. Um, basically, what happened was this was in development. Um, they had a script. They had... Kerry Fukunaga attached to write and direct. Right. Uh, hot off of True Detective. Mm-hmm. I think. Not Maybe yet it was before. canceled. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. What did he do? I forgot. He uh, had inappropriate um, advancements on a an underling <laughs> kind of thing. Sure. Uh, workplace sexual harassment. I think so. I don't know yeah. if it went further than that. I can't remember. Abuse of power. Yeah. Would that have been James Bond? Was that on No Time to Die? <laughs> uh, yeah, it was actually. Mm. Okay. Well, um, he had not done True Detective yet. That's interesting. Wow. I wonder why they decided to entrust him with this. Um, yeah. 2012 is when Fukunaga was attached. Um, then what happens? He gets unattached. Why does he get unattached? Uh, budget cuts. That's why. He's too expensive. Yeah. Well, I don't think it was him. Okay. So new line. So basically what happened is the movie, uh, eventually gets moved. I said, Fox, I misspoke. It's a Warner brothers movie. It was originally going to be Warner Brothers straight up. Then it gets swapped over to New Line. And when that happens, they start to kind of, what do you say, with the per- tighten the purse strings a little yeah, bit? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they start adjusting the budget down. Um, and supposedly that's, that's uh, at least the news says that's why he quit. I guess yeah. that's probably the company line from New Line. His vision um, was bigger than what they were yeah. willing to do. He also said in an interview, he he made it sound a lot more like they were just trying to make it pretty generic. Mm, and, interesting. And he had a very specific vision for how the movie was going to go. And supposedly there was like a lot of pushback from the studio that you have to do this and you have to make it feel like this. And huh, that's an interesting thing to note. It is. <laughs> I think it is. Um, cause this also, uh, again, you know, we'll we'll eventually get through all of this, but he dropped out in, uh, mid 2015. Uh, there was a, What was I going to say? Fuck. He dropped out mid-2015. <laughs> he dropped out mid-2015. Um, so they keep plugging along, and they landed on Andy Muschietti, 
and then his sister Barbara was also going to produce. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were kind of coming in as a team. Um, and I guess this is just off the strength of Mama. Essentially, this is this is you know two and a half years after Mama came out. Um, and I think he was attached to some other things in the meantime, which just like didn't really get off the ground. But if you go to his Wikipedia, the list of things that he's been attached to are are pretty nuts. Hmm. He was supposed to direct Bird Box. Hmm. Uh, he was supposed to direct a remake of Masters of the Universe. Oh, wow. He was supposed to do the Snow White and the Huntsman sequel. He was attached to a film adaptation of the Shadow of the Colossus game. Um, he yeah he has other he had other Stephen King adaptations in the works. Since this movie came out, he's also been announced for doing a remake of The Howling, an adaptation of the Paul Bachman book. Uh, was it Road Work? Is that what it is? Uh, Richard Bachman. Richard Bachman, not Paul Bachman. Who's yeah, Ra- Randy Bachman. You like. You like Bachman Turner Overdrive? Bachman Turner Overdrive, yeah. Yeah. Of course. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, this is his first big crack at something. It's about double the budget of what they had on Mama. But I guess based on what they had originally planned, that was that was pared down quite a bit. About $30 million was was the budget that they gave this. Okay. Um, Kerry Fukunaga had, had cast his Pennywise. Do you know? Have you heard any of this? Do you know who no, Pennywise is? No, I don't know. Maybe? Will Poulter. Will Poulter. That sounds... Yeah. He's he's very hot right now. Uh, you've seen him in a bunch of stuff as a teen actor. Okay. He's a Will very recognizable Poulter. face. Okay, okay, yeah. Narnia, Guardians Go. Oh, Midsommar. Yeah. Okay. So if anybody's seen the new Guardians, he has a pretty significant role in that. He plays... Who's this gold dude who's gonna be in more marvel movies because he's like got his own i don't know i haven't seen the new some fucking gold guy (laughs) some fucking gold guy some fucking gold guy yeah um but yeah he was in what did he what he played he's played somebody's kid in something and i forget what we're the millers yeah we're the millers that's the one i'm thinking of anyways guy's got an interesting face he was supposed to be Pennywise. I could see it. Yeah, I, I actually can too. Um, he's a pretty good actor. Fukunaga exits. Poulter exits. So Muschietti restarts the search and lands on Swedish Nepo baby Bill Skarsgård. Oh, yeah. Um, Swedish and I... Nepo baby. <laughs> <laughs> what? Where's the lie? Yeah, Kitty's um, got claws over here. <laughs> But it has, it's no reflection on his uh, skill. And but his he talent. is a Nepo baby. He's a big time Nepo baby. He's like a double Nepo baby because obviously his dad's famous, but then like his older brother also kind yeah. of was like, look, the Skarsgård sons are good too. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, um, but it's funny because, you know, again, he's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, he's a pretty good actor. Um, All the Skarsgård are, are pretty good. And the yeah. Sars guards, Sars guards too. Yeah. yeah. Do we consider is Maggie Gyllenhaal a Sars guard? Oh, because she's married to. Yeah. Sure. Are they still married? By extension, if they're still yeah. married, she's a Sars guard. Yeah. And a Gyllenhaal. A lot of vowels. Yeah, she's still married to Sars guard. Okay. Here you go. Her daughter's Ramona Sars guard. 
let's look out for her. She's on. Okay. She's going to do some big things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, getting ready to give her a, you know, a supporting on a HBO. Yeah, drama. yeah. <laughs> well, she has to do an American accent, even though she <laughs> maybe lives in Britain. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know what it is about HBO that they really like pushing the. Yeah. The Nepo babies, but that's their that's their deal. I mean, honestly, everybody does. There's a website now, like that's just a compend. It's just like a directory of, of of Nepo babies. Oh, and really? It's, it's staggering. Wow. It's like it is. This was always a thing in Hollywood, right? Like mm-hmm. you know, Laura Dern or Jane Fonda, um, Jane Fonda, you know, shit like this. But these days, it's like it's crazy. The mm-hmm. spread of it is nuts. There's so many that you don't even know about. Yeah, they have like You're different like, last names. Yeah. It's like holy shit. Yeah. Um but anyways, uh so Andy Muschietti does a rewrite of the script. Um they get the ball rolling. Uh start casting. They uh they were doing all of this in the wake of so all this pre-production is taking place in the wake of the premiere of a particular television show on netflix mm-hmm. after its blockbuster first season do you know what that show is there yeah i'm gonna have to guess it's stranger things yeah yeah which shares a lot of cast members share some share some cast members Maybe share some DNA. Some tone, yeah, some yeah. Some tone, yeah. Um, so, yeah, most notably Finn Wolfhard. Mm-hmm. Whoa. It's, a funny, it's a funny name. <clears throat> why is it funny? Explain he, it to me why he, it's funny. He wolfs, he wolfs hard. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> you know, I, I imagine him, like, scarfing down a pizza or something. Yeah, uh-huh, that's good. It actually is. Uh, All right, I'm the asshole. <laughs> Yeah, my name's Finn, and I wolf hard. And then he folds a pizza in half and oh, takes man. a huge bite of it. I'd love to do that right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not stopping. Yeah, no. Um, Lack yeah. of pizza is stopping me. Okay, fair enough. Um, yeah. So this cast that gets put together, um, let's just go through it. So here are your losers club. Um, for people who haven't seen this movie, but have seen the original. You actually could just listen to this and not watch it. They are like, it's close enough that you know what's going to happen in this movie and you know who all the characters are. Yeah. Yeah. If you've read the book or if you've seen the mm. previous one, it's pretty yeah. close. Yeah. Um, so leading the losers club, Bill Denbro, this time is played by a kid named Jaden Martell. Um, he is, uh, he, he was pretty funny and not, did you see in Knives Out, he's like the yes, he's the all, he's like all the right all right, kid. yeah, yeah. grandson. Pretty solid. I think his big thing before this was Midnight Special. Yeah, that's good. Um, pretty cool movie. Yeah. I think I, I'm gonna go ahead and guess that he sort of got cast off of that. Although he's also in Aloha, and you know that lit Hollywood on fire. Oh, it so. did absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, running down the line, Richie Finn Wolfhard, yeah. hot off of Stranger Things, like we talked about. Um, Beverly is played by a young actress named Sophia Lillis. Um, and before this, she had some small parts and stuff. So this was kind of like a big break for her. Mm-hmm. Um, and she stuck around. She maybe 
maybe more so besides Finn Wolfhard, who already had some cachet, I think she's definitely kind of launched her career the most off of this. Yeah, I was looking at some of her credits, which I'm blanking on at, at right now, but her upcoming stuff and stuff that she did after yeah. this was pretty like she has seems like she has good taste. Yeah, the year after this, she did Sharp Objects. She plays yes, young that's what Amy Adams. And then um, these days, well, she was just in Dungeons & Dragons, which I, I I think told everyone I was a fan of. That's a good plane movie. I've been trying to That is a great... Yeah, although, yeah, it's a big movie, though. Mm. Are you going to watch it on the little plane screen or on your computer? On my iPad. Okay. I I think iPad's acceptable. Okay. I wouldn't watch it on a little plane screen because okay. it's, it's, it's pretty visual, you know? Uh, she's also in the new Wes Anderson movie, Asteroids. That's City. right. That's right. Yeah. Um, which is just like, I feel like, how does he cast his movies? Does he just like, he like posts up at the Gelson's in Franklin Village and just <laughs> waits for celebrities Wait. to come in and it's like, you're in my movie. Yeah, you're yeah. in my movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, he has a little booth in front of, at the front of the lot. <laughs> just flags people down. Do you want to be in Asteroid City? Um, Are you an extra small? <laughs> <laughs> no fatties. Um, speaking of, Ben Hanscom, played by Jeremy Ray Taylor. Um, he was a bully in Ant-Man. Okay. Good uh, casting of a fat kid, I would say, with him. Yeah. He, I would say so. Too. A lot of times, especially in the eighties, people mm-hmm. have gotten a lot bigger. Like the Ben in the eighties didn't even read to me as being very fat. Yeah, he really. looks like a pee wee football player. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And good casting yeah. in general. He's he's good. Yeah. Um he's <laughs> I went and looked on his Instagram. He's very religious. Oh, okay. Um, good for him. <laughs> he feels a lot more comfortable in life, probably. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Or in- we we mock him mercilessly, and he's probably much happier than yeah. we are. Um, <laughs> Mike Hanlon is played by Chosen Jacobs. Um, he's done some other stuff. Nothing too huge. Uh, then we got Stan, played by a kid named Wyatt Olef, who's very intense in his IMDb headshot. Mm. Um, looks super cool. Uh, Eddie, played by a young actor named Jack Dylan Grazer. Um, again, I th- this is the point at which we've talked about kind of like the big guys. He's in he's in Shazam. I think he plays like a buddy type. You know, you know. My bad. I got um the guy who plays Bill confused with um a, another Stranger Things Noah something from Noah Schnapp. Yeah, yeah. They look similar. To they me, did. so I thought that that's why I was like, "Oh, there's a few cast members," but no. Yeah, maybe just the one. I'm not positive. I bet you could find one other if you dug deep. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, other than that, you got Henry Bowers is played by a young actor named Nicholas Hamilton. Uh, none of the adults outside of Bill Skarsgård are really noteworthy actors. I want to say that Mike's uncle. Uh, yeah, I recognized by, him. He's played by Stephen Williams, who's come up multiple times on the podcast. Eric, do you remember where we were first introduced to him? Yeah, is it um, Freddie? No, uh, Jason dies. What's up? Jason, Jason goes, goes to, to hell. hell. Yeah. yeah, 
Yeah, Creighton Duke. Creighton Duke. I, could, I knew it was something Duke. I couldn't remember the last All the first. college basketball fans yeah. out there. Um, yeah, so I saw him and I did the Leonardo DiCaprio meme, which is kind of just like if you put a surveillance camera in my living room, that's happened that's a couple times. All the time. Night. Yeah. Uh, and then, like we said at the top, you got Bill Skarsgård as your Pennywise. And he, I think. Whoa, my voice went really high on that. <laughs> um, you know, I don't think he, he his cachet was not huge at this point. I remember him getting cast and being like, who is this guy? He's another one of Stellan Skarsgård's kids? Mm-hmm. Okay. Because um, let's see, before this, obviously he'd done some work in Sweden. Um, he's in Allegiant, which I think is the second or third Divergent movie. Uh, uh, he's in Atomic Blonde with Charlize Theron. And then this is kind of like his third major American movie. Um, and he has since gone on to do more creepy shit in Castle Rock, the Stephen King show, and Barbarian, yeah. which I think we both liked. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was very good in John Wick Chapter 4. So I think he's he's a, he's officially a star now. Yeah. Um. Yeah. The script was written by uh, Heyman. Heyman. What's his first name? Paul Heyman. No. From ECW. Yeah, that's right. The, yeah. The um. Good for him. What, what is that? The like, what's his name? The, uh, he's Brock Lesnar's uh, manager. Yeah, uh, he's got. Doesn't he have a little? Doesn't he have a little name? He's like. Oh oh oh. Um. Uh. Polly. Fuck. Uh, shit. Damn it. Polyamory? No, Polly uh, Dangerous. Polly Dangerous? What? Really? Uh, <laughs> Paul Heyman. Continue. I'll f- I f- okay, cool. Uh, anyways, it wasn't Heyman. Uh, I had yeah, that Paul wrong. Paul E. Dangerously. Okay, got it. <laughs> Gary Doberman is the guy oh. who wrote Annabelle and Annabelle Creation mm-hmm. and The Nun. Annabelle comes home, and the nun too. But sort of more existence. Yeah, more <laughs> contributing factors to I think a subject that will come up in the next segment. Uh, this movie was a smash hit. Yes, it was a massive that. box office success. Um, it broke a shit ton of very specific <laughs> records. Um. A bunch of records for horror movies and for R-rated horror movies. Um, so it's like biggest, you know, highest grossing R-rated horror movie of all time. Biggest opening for R-rated horror movie of all time. Um, it's pretty high on the list of uh, just horror movies, period. Mm-hmm. I think it's like top five all time uh, in both total gross and opening weekend. It made worldwide over seven. Hundred million dollars. I have a theory. Uh, that's not even a theory. I mm-hmm. have a hot take that you're not gonna like. Okay. But I think is undeniable. Okay. This version of Pennywise is the more universally iconic Pennywise than Tim Curry, with more people. Universal. I. Th- I. Th- yes. By, I mean, by that I mean more people in the world 
Yeah. Think that this is the better Pennywise okay. than Tim Curry. Tim Curry still has America. No, I don't even think so. Tim Curry has Americans over 40. Yeah, but there's lots of Americans over 40. And... But there's more young people. Yeah. I don't know. I don't. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously like, like I, I said, want it to be like true. I said, you're not going to like it, but I think it's um, true. Okay. Well, people whose opinions matter. Um, <laughs> I think certainly with our audience. Yeah. All right. One more thing I want to call out before we move on. Uh, the cinematographer of this movie is a gentleman from South Korea named Chung Chung Hoon. Uh, and he is Park Chan Wook's most frequent collaborator. Ah. So the guy who shot this, he shot Old Boy and Lady Vengeance. Mm -hmm. He shot Stoker. He shot The Handmaiden. And then he did a couple of shitty American movies. <laughs> I mean, I guess Stoker's an American movie, technically. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, obviously somebody with a, a track record of skill. Yeah. That's all, Eric. That's all I really want to say about it. Do you want to say anything about it? No, I don't have anything you prepared. You said your controversial statement about Pennywise. Yeah, I think that this Pennywise is the more famous Pennywise that people... <sighs> this is the one that a 14-year-old going into Hot Topic is going to want to buy a Funko Pop of this Pennywise. My you God. don't... It, it's in rope... It, as somebody who has a an 8-year-old... He knows who Pennywise is. He knows what this Pennywise is. He doesn't really know who Tim Curry's Pennywise. I'm sure he'd right. be like, oh, it looks like Pennywise, but not the one that I know. I mean, it about. doesn't even that much, and we can talk about that, too. I'd like to talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Actually, we, this is that's sort of something for this segment. So the Pennywise design, the book prescribes something like the 90 miniseries. He's he's inspired by like Bozo the Clown, yeah. Ronald McDonald. He's a less of a outwardly scary clown. Yeah. He's supposed to look like a middle-aged man in a clown costume. I have to imagine there's also like some John Wayne Gacy in there. Mm. Um this Pennywise, an interesting enough idea, but the conception was, well, if he's been around for hundreds of years, What's to stop him from looking like a clown from the late 1800s? Mm -hmm. And the answer to that question is nothing. Mm -hmm. So that's what they did. Uh, okay. All right. Do, let's you talk quick, about the movie. Yeah. Let's take a quick break and talk about the movie. When you're a kid, you think the universe revolves around you. You think that you'll always be protected and cared for. Then, one day, you realize that's not true. Because when you're alone as a kid, the monsters see you as weaker. You don't even know they're getting closer. Until it's too late. thinks this town is cursed. That all the bad things that happen in this town are because of one thing. An evil thing.
float too. Georgie. I saw something. The clown. Yeah, I saw him too. What happens when another Georgie goes missing? Or one of us? Are you just gonna pretend it isn't happening like everyone else in this town? If we stick together, we'll win. You know, usually during the break, I take that time to pull up the Wikipedia entry, <laughs> but instead we were having a lively conversation. Uh, so we can't allow say, me to. We can't say about what. We cannot say. It's top secret. Okay. In October 1988, 12 year old Bill Denbro crafts a paper sailboat for Georgie, his six year old brother. Georgie sails the boat along the rainy streets of small town Derry, Maine, only to have it fall down a storm drain. Oh, by the way, I forgot mm. to put in the main theme last week. Sorry. Oh, no. Yeah. I wondered, you know, I, I wondered to myself. Yeah, it was, uh, it was late. I forgot. As he attempts to retrieve it, Georgie sees a clown in the drain who introduces himself as Pennywise, the dancing clown. Pennywise entices Georgie to come closer, then rips his arm off and drags him into the sewer. The following summer, in June 1989, Bill and his friends Richie Tozier, Eddie Kasprak, Stan Uris run run afoul of older bullies Henry Bowers, Belch Huggins, Patrick Hockstetter, and Victor Chris. Bill, still haunted by Georgie's disappearance, calculates that his brother's body may have washed up in a marshy wasteland called the Barrens. He recruits his friends to investigate, believing Georgie may still be alive. Ben Hanscom, one of Bill's new classmates, learns that unexplained tragedies and child disappearances have plagued the town for centuries. Targeted by the, by the Bowers gang, uh, Ben flees into the Barrens and meets Bill's group. They find the sneaker of a missing girl named Betty Ripsom, while Patrick is killed by Pennywise while searching really, the sewers really for weird. Ben. What's that? You said her name really weird. I know because I got an alert right when I was about <laughs> to read that line and it covered it. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna make a bold claim here. I think this is a typo. I swear that they her say name's Betty, not Betty Rip- Ripsom. Ripscom, but no, I'm wrong. Eric, cut this out of the episode. Okay. It's not going to be in the episode. Don't worry. Don't even bother checking. Okay, thank you. Because you won't hear it. Great. Oh, shit. I clicked on this the, the alert. <laughs> <laughs> Beverly Marsh, a girl bullied over her rumored promiscuity, also joins the group. Both Bill and Ben develop feelings for her. Later, the group befriends orphan Mike Hanlon after res- rescuing him from Bowers. Each member of the group has encountered terrifying manifestations of the same menacing clown who attacked Georgie, a headless undead boy, Ben, a sink that spews blood only children can see, Beverly, a diseased and rotting leper, Eddie, a disturbing painting coming alive, Stan, Mike's parents burning alive, Mike, and a frightening phantom of Georgie, Bill. 
Now, calling themselves the Losers Club, they realize that they are being stalked by the same entity, which they refer to as It. They determine that It appears as their individual worst fears, awakening every 27 years to feed on the children of dairy before resuming hibernation. It moves about using the sewer lines, which all lead to the old stone well under an abandoned house on Nybalt Street. Uh, also kind of lame that Stan's biggest fear is a painting come alive. It is a creepy painting. It is a creepy painting. But yeah, there's some other things he could be more afraid of. After Pennywise attacks them, the group ventures to the house to confront it, only to be separated and terrorized. As Pennywise gloats to Bill about Georgie, the losers regroup and Beverly impales Pennywise through the head, forcing the clown to retreat. The group flees the house to begin and begins to splinter. Yeah, only with only Bill and Beverly resolute in fighting it. Weeks later, after Beverly confronts and incapacitates her sexually abusive father, Pennywise abducts her. The Losers Club re- reassembles and returns to the abandoned house to rescue her. Bowers, who has murdered his abusive father after being driven insane by it, attacks the group. Mike fights back and pushes Bowers down the well. The losers descend into the sewer and find its underground lair, which contains a mountain of decayed circus props and children's belongings, around which the bodies of its child victims float in midair. Hey, did... Henry die there? Does he come back in the next one? Because I, I think didn't. He, I think he does. I think it's sort of like supposed to be unclear. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm not pretty positive out. he's in chapter two. Okay. Um, Beverly, now cat- catatonic from being exposed to bright lights inside its gaping mouth, is restored to consciousness when Ben kisses her. Bill encounters Georgie, but recognizes that he is it in disguise. As Pennywise, It takes Bill hostage, offering to spare the others and go into hibernation if they let it feed on Bill. The losers reject this, battling It while overcoming their various fears. It is eventually defeated and retreats deeper into the sewers, with Bill declaring that It will starve during its hibernation. After finding the remnants of Georgie's raincoat, Bill finally comes to terms with his brother's death, with his friends comforting him. As the summer ends, Beverly informs a group of a vision she had while catatonic, where she saw them fighting it again as adults. The losers swear a blood oath that they will return to Derry as adults if it returns. After the others make their goodbyes and disperse, Beverly and Bill discuss her leaving the next day to live with her aunt in Portland. Before she leaves, Bill reveals his feelings and they kiss. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, there you have it. Thorough. There you have it. <laughs> I don't think there's much missing out of there. No, not really. Um, yeah. yeah, all the big beats. All right, blood and guts check. Uh, Mike, is this the second time you're seeing this? Might be the third. Okay. So, uh, I'm going to say third because I think I saw it on home video after I saw it in the theater. Um. In, in anticipation of It Chapter 2. Well, I was going to say, I mean, you've held no, you haven't held your tongue in your thoughts on It Chapter 2. Yeah, that's true. Do you think, before we go into your blindness mm. check, do you think that movie 
at all soured this movie for you? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that's I, a kind of I, thought. I, I do think so. Um, so let's I was, it. You know, in, in my research and stuff, you know, inevitably I you end up going through some reviews and the reviews for this movie when it came out were practically glowing. Yeah, they were good reviews. Yeah. Um, and certainly... And the word of mouth was really good. Too. Yeah, the word of mouth was good. It made the money, you know. Uh, but yeah, I think that's I think that's true, Eric. All right. So what do you what did you think this time around? Um. So in light, like trying to be at least a little cognizant of that, I have a lot of a lot of mixed feelings about this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a lot of thoughts about this movie. Period. There's a ton of of small things to talk about, but they you know, can have big impacts. Very, very top line. Uh, as we we're sort of alluding to in the previous segment, I think this movie suffers from being homogenized into mm-hmm. what was slash is popular in horror mm-hmm. these days, and especially in 2017. Um, it was undeniably pulled in a certain direction by Stranger Things for better and for worse. I don't think that that's just a net negative. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that most of the casting and acting performances are good. I think this is a rare modern horror movie that looks good. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a reason I brought up Chung Chung Hoon. I we got I got 15 minutes into this movie and I was like this movie looks good, mm-hmm. um, it's shot it's shot really well, um, and it's lit mostly like a movie mostly there are still some scenes that drive me fucking nuts, mm-hmm. most notably Bill in his bedroom in the opening se- sequence. Oh sure, it made me go oh no this whole movie is gonna look like this and then it doesn't really, uh, which is good, but I think that. Um, Story-wise, there are some odd choices. Um, But I think overall, it's kind of hard to pinpoint a ton of really, really big negatives. I think think there's like, there's little things that kind of chip away at it for me a bit. But I think I sort of begrudgingly have to admit that there's more good than bad here. Yeah. Okay. So, um, for me, this is my second time. And the first time I remember really liking it and Mm -hmm. I was curious how watching it at home would affect it. Yeah. And I did have a less warm reception to it this time around. Mm -hmm. Partially, I think because I just wasn't in as immersive environment as a movie theater. And also I think because of something you touched on that it did feel more homogenized than I remember it being. Mm -hmm. And it just, there are for a book that is really un, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, doesn't really adhere to current genres. It's unorthodox. Mm -hmm. Um, it really makes it feel mainstream in a lot of spots. Yeah. Excuse me. Um, but I completely agree. I think all of the performances are, really good it's shot well 
it's legitimately scary. There's some yeah. really scary parts. Yeah. And I'll just insert for a second. I think that there are some big scares in this that because I'm seeing them now for the third time lost some potency. But but I so, remember in the theater and I was like, that was that was like a big scare. Same know? for me. And I think actually the thing that drove me a little crazy this time around was what I thought was 3D stuff. There's a lot of Pennywise motion tracking. Yes. Where like his head remains still, but his body mm-hmm. moves. Yeah. And after like the fifth time, <laughs> it's like okay, I've it's a, this this effect is now in YouTube videos, right? With like Mr. Beast doing that, you know. Mm. And so it's like <laughs> it's it's less novel. Yeah. Um, and loses some of its punch. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think my all in all, my biggest gripe with it is the more straightforward feel of it. Mm-hmm. Um. But as a whole, it's I largely liked it. Yeah, um, it kind of, it feels almost like it's just got some edges sanded off it. Yeah, totally. You know? And um, you know, one of the edges. This is going to be a hmm. really. I wrote this down. Like, well, this is going to sound strange. You gonna try to pitch the orgy again? Yes. No. No. Actually, I was gonna say I like that they made Bev's dad a creep again. Yeah. Because that's, that's true the to book. the book. Yeah. And it felt missing in the miniseries because mm-hmm. it's a really big defining characteristic of her character. And it makes a lot yeah. of sense yeah. in the context of the story. Yeah. There's something that this movie. So like, maybe let's start with some positives. Um, there's something that this movie does that is a, this is a pretty, it's not rocket science. It's a pretty clear theme of the book, but I think this movie kind of nails it where the miniseries doesn't, which is that that basic theme that it, in a way, is just an embodiment of the horrors of being a kid. Yeah. And of, of living in this world, right? Yeah. Um, and I think you feel it the most with Bev in yes. this in this movie where it's like, yeah, it's like her home life is a horror movie. Yeah. Um, and yeah, of course, her dad is like the thing, the shape, the form that it would take, because that's the thing that scares her the most, right? Yeah. Um, um, one of the things I wrote down is like, I just wish this director had better taste. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I wish he was referencing his like, because although the movie looks good, and I'm sure this had to do with not, it's not completely his fault, mm-hmm. but I just, it would have made some of the it would have made it feel a little less mainstream than it does. Well, so let's go back to something we talked about in the first segment, which is how, how much of this do we think could possibly be attributed to this was the direction that they want, that the producers wanted to take this movie. Well, you saying that kind of made that note I had make a little more sense. And, and at that point, Carrie Fukunaga, a little more established than Andy Mm. Muschietti, right? So he leaves and you bring in someone who is just really excited to have the opportunity. Yeah, you know, blame him. And can be a little more pliable when it comes to studio notes. Um, because, yeah, the Stranger Things, I mean, it's especially now. I mean, I remember thinking it a ton at the time, but it's such an elephant in the room where it's just like, yeah, what percentage of this were they just like yeah this is going to do great cuz people love stranger things and yeah. this is basically stranger things before stranger things 
And the Stranger Things-ness of it is because now there's a backlash against Stranger Things. So that <laughs> sours all of those like elements yeah. of this. Yeah, bit. yeah. Um, I still like Stranger Things. The good seasons are good. Yeah, uh, I haven't. Oh, I mean, that's something I should watch, too. I like season one. And I like season three. I should. I need to finish that season. Um, Which one? Three? Whatever the latest one is. Oh, four. Well, that's that four. Yeah, I thought three was fine. I like. I mean, yeah. I've liked every season to be honest. Yeah, two but was sort wife, of a letdown for me. Yeah, yeah, I feel that. Um, um you want to talk about Bill? Sk- or what do you have? You you want? I was going to talk about Bill Skarsgård. Yeah. Okay, go for it. Yeah, he's good. <laughs> yeah, he's really good. He's, be- he's very good. Yeah, it's like a pretty thankless job mm-hmm. uh, of trying to follow the most iconic Pennywise performance. <laughs> no, um, it really is. Like it's, it's apples and oranges mm-hmm. a bit, which is uh, smart, which is smart. Exactly. Yeah, but he's really scary and he's good. And they, yeah. his, although his character design is more over the top, mm-hmm. he's scary as hell. Yeah. He makes, as an actor, he makes a lot of choices. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are, uh, multiple articles and interviews where people talk about Heath Ledger's Joker and then they talk about his sort of approach to this. And I'm not going to say this is at the level of Heath Ledger's Joker, but you feel the same kind of thing, which is like, it really feels like this guy sat down and like worked out a, like a whole, I'm going to, he's apparently based a bunch of shit off of like animals. He did a bunch of Mm. studying like uh, things like that. And, and he based a lot of it on his little brother, apparently. Like, he's talking about his youngest brother as a kid was like, uh-oh, Eric's having an issue. Okay, sorry about that. Had some technical difficulties. Uh, Mike, you were saying that um, he based his Pennywise off of watching animals, and then you were saying his younger brother. Yeah, um the the way he phrased it was um since the clown is a manifestation of the children's imaginations there's something childlike about him mm. um and he talked about movement especially his his little brother he said would run around and move his arms way too quickly and rigidly mm, mm, <laughs> and he always yeah. found it disconcerting and he tried to sort of mimic that movement in Pennywise. I could see that. Yeah. Um, I liked the, uh, I really liked his teeth design. Like when he opens his mouth to show the deadlights like and stuff. Like rodent teeth almost. Yeah, or you mean, you mean the like, big teeth. I like both. Like the okay. rodent teeth and also like just those rows of teeth going all the way down his throat is really creepy. Yeah, it looks like a sandworm from Beetlejuice. It does. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also, this movie does definitely dig in more with the deadlights. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, overall, I think yeah, I think Skarsgård does a really solid job, and this could have gone very wrong, and it and it did not. He he staked out, you know, some turf for himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and delivered. Um, actors, I would love to do like a lightning round on the kids. Yeah. Um, so let's let's do this. I they're good. They're bad. Or they're okay. Okay. Right. Really fast. Okay. 
Bill. Uh, good. Okay. I see. Okay. Uh, Ben. Ben. Uh, oh, good. I liked Ben. Also good. Beverly. Good. Good. Definitely good. No hesitation. Yeah. Richie. Finn Wolfhard. Bad. Okay. Not his fault. I think he's okay. I think it's a bad character. Yeah. Um, I think in both versions, the child version of Richie sucks. <laughs> and I think I think just in general, that character sucks. Yeah. I think you're probably right. Well, yeah, because Stephen King trying to be funny is always yeah. tricky. Yeah. Stan. Um okay, bad okay to bad. Bad. Yeah. I, he's my probably my least favorite of all of them. Uh Mike. Okay. Okay. Eddie. Okay. I think it was good. He's actually one of my favorites. Um I think maybe he didn't I don't know that I paid enough attention to him specifically. Yeah. I just think it's he's like a kid who who has like the presence of an adult actor. Mm-hmm. I feel like he had a lot of character. Um Henry. Mm, it's a little complicated for me because mm-hmm. I think again the character writing. yeah the writing is so ridiculously evil and he's mm-hmm. like he's on 11 the whole time yeah. that it yeah. made me not like him as a character. Yeah. So I'm going to say bad but maybe not the actor's fault. Okay. I'm going to go way out on a limb here. I'm going to say good but I agree with your assessment. I think mm. he's he's written poorly, but I think this kid manages to like do some pretty interesting stuff. Yeah, with a it is very stupid character. It's yeah, it's a stupid character. It, I wish that character was more nuanced and not just like a fucking mm. maniac. Yeah, yeah. Outside of uh, Bill Skarsgård, I do think it feels almost conspicuous how nothing all of the rest of the adults in this movie are, with yeah. maybe the exception of Bev, Bev's dad. He, Bev's dad. That also, guy does he a good looks, job. He looks remarkably similar to the actor who plays Bev's dad in the miniseries. Huh. I didn't think about that. Pretty close. Yeah. But, like, I, I warmed to some things in the movie after a half hour or so, but, like, Bill's parents, I was like, what is this? Dude, like, his this dad is, is way too big. Yeah. It's weird. He, he gets so mad at Bill for, like, yeah. trying to figure out where Georgie is. It's, yeah. Did not and like that. That's kind of, I think, maybe a good segue because we're starting to talk about this. I think there is some clunky writing in the in the process of adaptation here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, yeah, you feel it in some of these either underwritten characters. I'm looking at Mike. Also, a very curious decision to take away what is essentially Mike's defining role in this group. Yeah. As the sort of historian. Historian, give it to Ben. Yeah. Which leaves Mike with what? Nothing. Exactly. He's a delivery boy. Yeah. They don't Um, even, I mean, the, the, the racism is certainly there, but it's not like as outward as it is in the miniseries. So Mm -hmm. it's like, it's not even that really. Yeah. And you know, that made me think of something too. And, Maybe, maybe I'm going to, maybe I'm going to step in it. I don't know. I'm going to try not to. Okay. Um, to me, it felt like we talked a little bit, I think you and I did off the pod, but not in the episode about 
the use of the n-word in the miniseries oh yeah yeah we did talk about it a little bit and and how it i think what i had said to you at the time was like i didn't really even bother to comment on it on the podcast because it fits in you yeah. know it's obviously it's always jarring to hear and uh, you know, I obviously see to anyone who's like, just get it out of everything. I don't ever want to hear it. Yeah. That that makes sense to me, too. But I think, like, it's an accurate portrayal of a racist bully in the, in the 50s. In the 1950s. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But in the 1980s, I don't think it would be any different in a I town like so. this. I was thinking the same yeah. exact thing. I think you, it would just as easily come out of yeah. somebody's lips. So it almost makes this feel kind of sanitized yes. in a way where I was like, is this better? I don't think totally, this is better. Totally agree. Well, that yeah. was one of my thoughts too while watching it. Yeah. Um, so just a thought, you know, I could be very wrong on that. Um, but yeah, I think Mike gets severely underwritten uh, in this. And I'm, I mean, I get it. There's a lot of characters, but I don't know. I just feel like you dropped the ball because he's got he's got a lot to do, you know, in the book and in, yeah. even in the miniseries. I mean, there's a lot of characters, but even his character in the miniseries feels more fleshed out. And that was a full almost yeah. an hour shorter at the end. of Yeah, the day. you're right. Yeah. Um, and I do think for the most part, though, the extended runtime compared to the miniseries, not that we're doing that now mm -hmm. exactly, it does benefit. You have more time with yeah. the characters. You feels more lived in. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody gets a little bit of something more than they get in the miniseries. Yeah. Um, what else was I going to say? I think I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this. So in the book is it's written, right? Because it takes place in the fifties a lot of these incarnations of Pennywise manifest themselves as like sort of fifties horror. Iconic yeah. Like a mummy, things. a wolf man. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, and that's something that came across to a certain degree in the miniseries, but I think some of it was lost. Yeah. Um, but you know, there's a mummy, there is a werewolf, you know, mm -hmm. in this one, it's like a conscious decision not to do that. And if you read interviews, it was, it was a decision where Andy Muschietti is basically saying, well, it's the 80s, so they wouldn't have 50s yeah. horror they're characters a, haunting them. They're not afraid of the creature from yeah. the Black Lagoon. But this prompts another question, which is, well, wouldn't they have 80s horror characters that they were like afraid Freddy of? It would be like Freddy Krueger coming at them. Yeah, that'd be, I know. That'd be interesting. You know, obviously you run the risk of turning into like some sort of Ready Player One fiasco. Yeah. But I also think that, you know, I don't think it would suffer if, you know, what if instead of a leper, it was like a a zombie, you know? Funny. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I see where you're going. I was going to say, funny you say that because I think the leper is actually the best. The leper is pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. The um, I, I do like this approach because it mm -hmm. feels real. A yeah. As somebody who identifies as a stand type growing up <laughs> the leper is or no eddie eddie mm -hmm. um eddie yeah uh it a leper is very scary sure like i got uncomfortable watching that scene um although it doesn't look great no. i'll say that doesn't look great the stretch person doesn't really look great um although it's like supposed to be like a living painting so right how great could that look maybe yeah. it's just flawed in its conception i don't know mm-hmm 
Um, let's talk about some of the other set pieces mm-hmm. uh, of Pennywise doing some. St- well, let's start with a non-Pennywise one: the uh, blood in the bathroom. Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah, I, think I like they it. did a good job with that. And that's a scene. I'm glad that they spent time with that scene. That's a scene that is ripe with metaphor, mm-hmm. um, and it's really important. I think for showing this moment that one of the first times that all these kids really show up for, well, specifically Bev in this moment, but there is like a real sense of unity. Yeah. And I think they do a great job with that. And also this scene has a pretty good needle drop. I think here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Six different ways. Is that the song? Yeah. Um, Which brings me to another one of my notes. Which is, I have to give a little bit of credit to the soundtrack selections. There's some good songs in there. Because they're 80s songs, but this doesn't feel like one of those jukebox musical type of things. You know, there's like a a song by the cult that is neither one of their two biggest hits, Mm -hmm. you know. This is this is a song people know, but this isn't even top five cure songs. It's a great great song. yeah, ecstasy, some mm-hmm. other stuff. It's like, yeah, I was like, wow, that's actually they did like pick and and I will say the inclusion of the new kids on the block mm-hmm. is something that never shows up in any other 80s stuff because it's the tail end of the 80s mm-hmm. and I feel like they're always so focused on the middle of the decade and like new wave and that kind of thing. Yeah. But it's like, yeah, that was everywhere. And also, as a kid who liked the new kids at the time, mm-hmm. a boy, it is embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love that runner. Yeah. I think that relationship between Ben and Beverly is is pretty well done throughout. Um, okay. So, but anyways, back to the set pieces. So, if I, I'm just going to try to remember my way through this. So, the order in which we see stuff. So, there is Georgie, first and foremost. Yeah. This is a pretty big scene to try to re-adapt since this is the most iconic part yeah, of the yeah of the miniseries, certainly. Um it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um it's certainly eerie. It's uh, way more graphic. Yeah. And that's another thing. I'm glad to see the R rating here. Mm-hmm. Me that's too. you know, for as homogenized as this movie is, I think that's something you gotta give some credit. That they said, no, we're going to make an R-rated movie where a clown kills a bunch of kids. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so I think that first one works. Um, Then what do we get? We get the Barons. So we don't have the Ben's dad stuff in this, right? No. No no Ben's dad. We get Patrick Hoxetter getting... Killed in the Barrens by like mm. zombies. In yeah. Pennywise. Then you get Ben in the library with the mm-hmm. Easter oh, yes. egg kid, which is okay. It's okay. Some of it works. Some of it doesn't work so well. Beverly gets her her bloody sink. Eddie gets his leper. Stan gets his painting. Mm-hmm. Mike's parents. That, burn. That's, that one's not great. Yeah. That that doesn't really work particularly well. The Georgie in the basement sequence, mm-hmm. I think, is pretty scary. Yeah, I think so too. And they did a good job with that. But for me, because uh, it's not a death, I can spoil this, I guess. Uh, certainly, when I saw it in the theater, the 
uh, slideshow garage sequence. That's one of my notes. That yes, yeah, that was the whole a thing for me. Yeah, it's because it's not. It's it builds a lot of tension, and it's a complete you know fabric. It's not a fabrication, but it's like a new thing in this movie to do this thing with the picture of his family and then his mom and his mom turning into Pennywise, mm-hmm. and it's fucking scary. It is. Um. And it's done really well with the, you know, slowly speeding up the frame by frame until it's functioning like a low frame rate video. Uh, And then the giant Pennywise coming out of the screen is that was, I think, the biggest jump in my theater when I saw this movie. Me too. Yeah. Um, It's the thing I remember the most, like coming into it the second time. Um, And the... it's interesting what they do with the scale of Pennywise throughout the movie. Yeah. He's never like just one size. He's either really big or, I mean, he's mm-hmm. never usually small, but he, like he changes size, which is interesting. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Um, yeah. Um, so that's a great one. And then that kind of brings us to the climax or not the climax, the first sort of the first mini climax, which is the house. Yeah. So this is, I think, entirely uh, a product of the movie, right? I there is no so. haunted house in. I don't remember a haunted house. Yeah. And it's a haunted ass looking haunted house. Yeah. It's a little extreme. I a little think. extreme. Um, I do think though, for something that's such a kind of hacky go to. They do a, I, I think that I think it's the inside of the house and everything that happens in there is kind of scary. It kind of works yeah, all yeah, right. Totally. Uh, separating the kids and having, you know, it's really cliched stuff, but kind of fun in a way to get these like evil, you know, the trap, the doors, like door one, two, and three. And mm-hmm. uh, oh yeah, yeah, the broken arm looks crazy. Yeah, Eddie's broken arm. Pennywise unfolding himself out of that fridge is yeah, pretty yeah, yeah. That's is cool. a pretty good bit of CG madness. Um yeah. The one thing that did bump me that was a a kind of effects related thing is watching it this time, it was clear how how much of Pennywise's dialogue was just completely ADR. Oh, I didn't really pick up on that. Yeah. Like if you go back and you watch his first couple appearances, it's just like, yeah, this, it's not, it's not the sound from this shot. Like it is him. It's not him as in CG. It's really Bill Skarsgård's performance, but there's just like, there's a little bit of a kind of, uh, it's a little tiniest bit off in some parts and it kind of took me out of it. Hmm. That's pretty nitpicky. I think. what do you think about the big ending? Um, the big ending, I mostly like. It feels bigger, certainly, than the miniseries because mm-hmm. you spend a lot of time in the sewers. Um, I liked all the Georgie stuff. I thought that was really heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the not as big of a fan, no pun intended, as of the giant pile of like. Yeah, strewn like like child stuff and circus stuff, mm-hmm. and the floating kids. Like conceptually, yeah, I guess it is like that makes sense. They all float yeah. down here, but the way it looks it looks a little too cartoony for me. I'm a hundred percent with you, and this is so we've talked about a lot of positives. One of the negatives 
for the whole movie for me is this kind of thing. And you feel it in the haunted house too, which is like one of the best things about it. And frankly, one of the best things about a lot of Stephen King books Mm -hmm. is he really nails that particularly scary thing, which is really horrible stuff in a recognizable environment. Mm -hmm. Like it's like, the whole thing of this is it's like, yeah, it's just a town and a bunch of kids during their summer, but there's like a, like a supernatural evil clown that shows up. But then when we go to this crazy haunted house in this cavernous, you know, like no sewer in the world has mm. a space that big. Right. Yeah. Right. They could and, like turn that into housing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it just like, it does kind of, it, it 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 moves you into this uh, space uh, that we talk about a lot with like CG effects and a lot of this stuff that we're talking about is CG um, of the weightlessness where yeah. it's like it starts to feel less impactful because it's like, well, this is all crazy made up bullshit. Yeah. You know? Um, so, I yeah. Just, that, oh, sorry. I, was no, saying, no, I, no. I have to see the next one. I would have liked a more monstrous Pennywise form down there. Yeah, you know what I mean to fight against, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm assuming some, you know, the spider's gonna come out in the next one. Yeah, they do some stuff with him in the next one. That's that's uh, yeah, you'll get you'll get some of that. Um, and then uh, yeah, sort of the other big change here, which I think again is it sort of works, but then it also like when you think about it, it makes you ask some questions of like, is this a great idea that they basically nerfed Bev and mm-hmm. turned her into a damsel in distress? Yeah, I didn't and, like that. No, yeah, I didn't like that. Uh, I like I like that she you know makes those bullet or has those bullets and mm-hmm. shoots Pennywise with it. it. It does nerf her completely. Yeah, um, and so yeah, there's it's just a thing that's like a little old fashioned, a little reductive, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't need it. You know, no, you don't. Uh, but I mean, it's. I think it's a choice that they make writing these kids, which is a more traditional sort of plot device, which is all this conflict about just, you know, answering the call. Right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's the refusal of the call, um, and so we have to have this big fucking fight about whether or not they're even going to try to do something about Pennywise. That's only then spurred on by Beverly being kidnapped. Yeah. I'm curious if you remember, is that a factor in the book? Do they have this big splintering apart before they go down into the sewers? I don't remember. I don't think so, but I, I don't, don't remember. think so either. Yeah. And, and it's, it's funny because it made me think of you, Eric, you talk sometimes about, the frustration with characters who don't like each other and who argue all the time. And it's like one of the great strengths of this story uh, is these kids bonding together. Yeah. And this, and it does feel like a very plot driven decision to rip them all apart for half the summer jump ahead and then have them have to come back together to rescue Ben. I think it's, it it just, to me, smacks of network notes or studio mm-hmm. notes. Sorry, I experienced. Yeah, notes. Um, yeah. it's just like we need more stakes. It's yeah, yeah. and that it Definitely. doesn't. I don't think it's necessary. Same here. Um, yeah, I also think the Bill, Bill does Bill kiss Beverly in the book. 
I don't remember. Because the first movie doesn't really force us into much of a Bill Beverly Ben love triangle, or the miniseries. It's there. I think to a lesser degree. Do they kiss? Do they kiss after the... I don't think they do in the miniseries. In the miniseries, it definitely... You get the sense that Beverly likes Bill more than Ben, and Ben's jealous of that. Yeah. Um, I don't remember if they kiss or not. Yeah. Maybe it bumps me because I think Bill is more of a snooze in this movie. Sure. Uh, I can't imagine... I mean, honestly, no, you know, 14-year-old girl would probably go for Ben either, but it's like... Neither of these kids is pulling any tail in, you know, junior high. <laughs> uh, no, I only see stuff written about the adult Bev and Bill. Yeah. Well, we'll get to more of the love triangle in the next movie. All right. Looking forward um, to it. Yeah, I think, I mean, that's most of what I, I think I want to talk about. Did you have any other notes you want to cover? No, we pretty much covered everything. Oh, yeah. Just very briefly, Mike's cinematography corner. Um yeah, it's it's a it's a very well shot movie and it is a movie that is not afraid to work with contrast. It has uh dark dark spaces and 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 harsh lights at times and it's vibrant. The colors are fully saturated. They are not mm-hmm. all drained of life like this is a Netflix series. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, overall, just kudos to that. It was nice to flip it on and be like, "Hey, it's a modern horror movie that looks like a movie." Uh, I was, this may have just been the environment I was watching in wasn't completely dark enough, but I did find it hard to see a little bit in the end. Like the mm. the sewer stuff was a, a bit dark. It's but. interesting that you mentioned that because there are some notes in some of the interviews about how they kind of decided to lean into that with the grade because doing it like projecting it in HDR, like Dolby cinema, which is essentially HDR in a, in a movie theater. Mm-hmm. Um, they were able to show off that kind of latitude of, of being able to have uh, really dark parts of the frame. And so I wonder, yeah, like if you turn the lights off, and and make sure the you know professional settings are right on your TV if you still have the same problem or not. Yeah, maybe. All right. So for deaths, we have Georgie in the sewer. Um, well, his hand reaching into the sewer. Um, a sheep gets killed. Um, Patrick gets pennywised in the sewer as well. And then I just have Henry's dad is killed. And I guess Henry himself. I don't know. I don't know if he's dead or not. Maybe Bev's maybe, dad. Uh, maybe Bev's dad. Yeah, that's right. And then um, Pennywise is not fully dead. So not yeah. a lot of deaths to choose from. No. Unless I missed something. But I don't think I did. What was your favorite? It is funny now that it's to think about that. Because it's an R-rated movie. Mm-hmm. And there are scenes that are particularly gory. Um, well, I'll leave the, the prized hen for you because it's probably technically my second, but I, I had, I, I did want to comment on it. So Henry killing his father yeah, is it, that is a sort of horror set piece, if you will, that we left out when we were kind of yeah, hitting the right. beats. And I think it works pretty well 
in two ways. One, the kids show stuff is very effective. Um, and it's a great kind of like, it feels like Pennywise, right? Mm -hmm. It feels like something Pennywise would do, but this is a very, very bloody scene. Yeah. And I, even as a, as a seasoned gore veteran, when I watched this, I was like, yeah, that's intense. That's like, there's a lot of fucking fake blood coming out of this guy's neck. You know? Yeah. <clears throat> that actually was going to be my pick. Oh but... God, I'm sorry. No, that's fine. Then the Georgie in the sewer also are very good and more graphic than we're used yeah. to seeing. Yeah, that sewer's creepy. In both mm -hmm. versions, the sewer is really creepy. Yeah. I like I like how his eyes pop in this one. Yeah, they did a ton of eye lighting in this. Mm -hmm. You can see it in shots like that. And I think some of it's goosed by by uh digital effects but also i'm pretty sure that they did just use like a lot of like you probably use a flashlight for that honestly like mm. even on a professional set you want to give somebody that little eye light sometimes it's just somebody standing to the left of the camera shining a flashlight in your eye all right i kind of gave up the ghost on this but um oh no that's second well fine ghost thumbs up or down is this movie scary i think so this is a scary yeah. movie yeah Zombie thumbs up or down. Is this movie gory? Mike, what would you say? Yes, because the height of the gore yeah. is very gory. In terms of in terms of uh quantity, yeah. Not really, actually. But but yeah, it's like like I said, the, the scene where Henry kills his dad, like you could not show that to a minor. No. <laughs> you shouldn't. Little, little Georgie getting his arm ripped off would not yeah. play well. No, <laughs> with a little kid. No. Um, how does this movie represent the state of Maine? Eric, be sure to insert the theme song <laughs> here. Lobster rolls, whoopie pies. It's enough to make a grown man cry. Honor the state from where I came. It's Maine. Um, you know, I was less convinced than I was with the miniseries. Uh, <coughs> Although there was nothing really about it that made me think, there's no way that would mm -hmm. be Maine. Certainly the downtown area looks like some of the downtowns along the Saco River mm -hmm. that I would drive through. Um, but there was something about the outdoor stuff that didn't really feel as Maine as the last one. So I, I'm going to give this one a, a pretty good. Pretty good. Okay. You never had like an official levels of main <laughs> I man. To, I was trying to think of one off the top of my head. Uh, uh, I'll get no. You know what? I'm going to change the scale. Okay. I'm going to give it two and a half out of four. Amp. <laughs> what? Yeah. Amp. Oh man. Okay. Um. You know where they shot this? Toronto. I think I read. Toronto, yeah. Toronto. So at least they moved to the right it side is, of Canada. Yeah, it is the east coast. It's yeah. the southeast of Canada, but the northeast for... Yeah, it's for not us. all that far from Maine. No, it's not. It's not. Um, I don't know what it was, but it didn't feel as yeah. authentic to me. The, uh, the really, you'd want to, you know, you'd want to shoot outside, like, Quebec, probably, right? Mm, that Actually, Quebec looks pretty 
weird in comparison well outside to the, outside i'm yeah, saying yeah, yeah. like no even the, the, even the outside it's weird you cross the border from mm. maine into quebec and it looks almost completely different the houses are like colorful in ways yeah it's huh. weird that's it's very like hillier anyway some insights from your main man yeah from your main man eric uh how do we do this now slash smash <laughs> or crash or crash into me into me baby and i come into you oh god <laughs> um i think for me i still enjoyed watching this movie uh mm-hmm. we, you know like you heard we had some gripes but at the end of the day it it is it does feel a little bit generic like a modern day horror movie but mm-hmm. in terms of modern day horror movies it's a pretty good one of those yeah you know what i mean Mm-hmm. Um, some decent performances. It's it's certainly more ambitious than the uh, previous iteration. I guess yeah. I'm guessing I'm gonna go with a a light crash for me. Okay. I, I was straddling between heavy smash, light crash, and I th- yeah. think it kicked into light crash for me. What about yourself? Um, yeah. Well, I mean, I guess what it comes down to is I was thinking about. I gave the first half of the miniseries, I did give a crash. Mm-hmm. And I think if I take my my 80s baby helmet off mm-hmm. and I try to look at these two things with unbiased eyes, it would be pretty hard to make an argument that this is worse than the first half of mm-hmm. the miniseries. So I think I'm almost... Uh, required to give this a crash unless i want to downgrade the miniseries which i don't no uh but like you it is the the softest of crashes yeah yeah um yeah it's airbag city you know (laughs) everybody's walking away from it fine yeah thank god All right, let's take a quick break and then we'll talk about the boogeyman. Ooh. Boogie. Boogie man. He's so boogie. He's a bougie man. I'm your boogie man. That's what I am. I'm here to do whatever I can. Be it early morning, late afternoon, or at Okay, we're back. As luck would have it, a brand new Stephen King adaptation is in theaters right now. It's called The Boogeyman. And Mike and I went out and saw it together in beautiful Montebello, California. It was a nice little theater. The it was AMC a nice theater, Montebello. Yeah. I wonder if it's yeah. all recliners. It probably is. I think so. Yeah. Oh, you mean the whole entire the whole theater? The whole theater, all the, all the theaters. I would think so. Yeah. You got snacks delivered to the seat. To the seat. Which I at would, an AMC, which is uh, I've never done before. Which I wouldn't do again because when I, when I, when they sold me on it in the AMC app, I was like, yeah, let's do it. And then when I got the bill, I was like, oh, they charged me like $3 for this. It's like, <laughs> for like it's somebody like, walking down the hallway. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, okay. So really briefly, The Boogeyman came out uh, just uh, 10 days ago. 
Uh, it's directed by Rob Savage, who is best known for Dash Cam, which is a mm-hmm. kind of found footagey movie from 2021. Uh, I think that's good. Yeah. He also did the Shutter original Host, which is another uh, like screens movie. He made yeah, that during I, the pandemic. I liked that movie. Okay. It's only 56 minutes, which sounds nice. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So this is his first uh, real non... I mean, he did... He's British, so he did a, a British drama called Strings in 2012. But, mm-hmm. you know, this is sort of... It feels like it's his shift from uh, I do, uh, you know, new media movies to I'm just making yeah. an actual movie. Um, it stars Sophie Thatcher, who people know from Yellow Jackets. Mm-hmm. Chris Messina plays her dad. Um, and then David Dastmalchian um, is uh, in a very brief but impactful role as as sort of the inciting incident uh, in in a, in the form of a person. I'm trying to remember yeah. who's Dastmalchian related to. Oh, I don't know. <clears throat> Somebody. I am, I am not sure. Well, you say a word while I look that up. <laughs> um, yeah. It, it's... Uh, a, uh, uh, we already said it was based off of a short story Stephen King wrote. It's in Night Shift, his first collection, uh, which I had read pretty recently yeah. and actually needed you to remind me how it ends. It's a great <laughs> short story. It's very, it's a great short story, very yeah. creepy. Um, in a nutshell, it's just a therapist... A guy goes into a therapist's office and 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 does the same thing that happens roughly in the beginning of this movie. He tells the therapist about how all three of his kids were killed, and people mm-hmm. think he did it, but it was actually the boogeyman. Um, and then it ends with a big twist, mm-hmm. which I was sort of expecting throughout yeah, me too. this movie, but it does not. It never comes happen. So I guess we'll, we'll probably spoil some stuff on. The boogeyman. Yeah, should we let's throw let's throw the spoiler uh wall up now. Um if you're planning on seeing it and you don't want to know what happens, um the episode ends the way you think it would end. <laughs> Just come, yeah, yeah, come yeah. back in two weeks or come back chapter in two. two. Weeks. Uh for those um, of you who want the dirt, let's go. Let's go. Okay. So the big twist at the end of the um boogeyman. <clears throat> the short story is that the therapist it's himself is the boogeyman. Mm-hmm. Um, in this, I was sort of expecting at some point they do Chris Messina as the family's being, well, let's take a step back. Yeah. In this one, it starts with um, Sophie, Sophie Thatcher, her father and her little sister grieving the death of their mother who yeah. passed away pretty recently. We had to crowbar some big time pathos into this thing. Yes. Did you read the reveal? Um, review of this movie? I did. It was very much in lockstep Dead with some of on. my thoughts. Yeah, exactly. Me, me too. Um, so if you, b- both Mike and I uh, subscribe to the Substack, uh, the reveal, um, which is uh, uh, I'm blanking on the name. It's uh, Scott Tobias and Keith Phipps. Yeah. It's like an extension of the family tree of film reviewing that goes back through the dissolve, and then they started out at the AV club when it was good in like was good. the aughts and early 2010s. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they're grieving that while 
she is adjusting to coming back to school with uh, some of the bitchiest friends known to man. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Hard to really call them friends. Yeah. Her therapist father gets visited by a man who we just described um, as being hunted by a boogeyman. And then that attaches itself to this family. Mm -hmm. And then shit starts going wrong in the night. And what I was going to say is Christmas Cena is largely absent to while shit's happening in the night to the point where I was like, wow, he's a really, I leaned over to Mike. I'm like, wow, he must be a really heavy sleeper. Yeah. Cause these girls are screaming, they're banging around and mm-hmm. he is just snoozing through the whole thing. So I, th- I was expecting the twist to be that, but yeah. no, it's not that it's not that there. In fact, there is no twist. There is no twist. It is just a monster. Yeah. Yeah. And that's this movie's biggest problem. Yeah. That they they took an interesting concept. And if we complained about it being homogenized, this is yeah. this is that on steroids. Yeah. Um, I'm, I actually pulled up that reveal uh, review and I'm just going to read two lines here talking about the boogeyman himself um itself the spindly creepy crawly monster that skitters in the shadows teasing its prey before pouncing on it feels xeroxed from countless eric left he exited the meeting i kept talking i'm here i'm talking through it did you stop recording no okay great eric's back everybody he's rejoined the meeting I accidentally clicked on the wrong thing. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Teasing its prey before pouncing on it feels Xeroxed from countless other creature designs. And the grief theme is an attempt at emotional ballast that's largely unearned. Yes. And that was what I resonated the most in that review. And he points out earlier, I think, that that is the new... um, uh, Heightening. That is the new elevation, Mm -hmm. elevated horror always starts with some grieving family. Yeah. You know, and it, it can be seen in hereditary midsummer, uh, this, the lodge, all of these mm-hmm. recent elevated horror movies, even Megan, <laughs> Megan. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's the new thing. It's the new flavor. Yeah. Um, definitely takes some big, uh, notes from it follows, uh-huh. Uh, in terms of the way that the boogeyman is sort of like a virus uh, it gets passed from one family to another um, yeah. yeah overall I think the writing is not very good Yeah. Uh, especially from like a story perspective I think it's poor um, yeah. dialogue wise it's eh I think that uh, Sophie Thatcher is good she's, she's good, she's good. Chris Messina, who's an actor that I like, is a, almost a complete non-factor in this movie. Yeah, I mean, he's like nice to look at and like comforting. Uh-huh. <laughs> he's a comforting <laughs> presence, but um, yeah, I would agree. Yeah, I thought the little girl who plays the um, oh yeah, sister, she was good too. Also very mm-hmm. good. And in his very brief scene, David Dast Melchian is very good. Mm-hmm. Um. Unfortunately, that scene is probably the most interesting part of the movie, and it comes in the first 10 minutes. Yeah. 
and Mike, you pointed out when we were leaving that it really just declines. Yeah. It it, it starts pretty strong. Yeah, you think it could be interesting. Yeah. And it's like kind of it's pretty scary. And then it just kind of hits a wall and just never really recovers from there. Yeah. And it, it you know, one of the drawbacks of like a supernatural creature movie is you got to find a way to kill the thing Mm -hmm. and it's it's seldom satisfying or good like in this one this thing gets like shot countless times by like shotgun shells and then shot point blank range by shotguns Mm -hmm. and then later it survives spoiler and then later to defend themselves they have a hockey stick that kind of works. It's like, <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. It's such a weird de-escalation. Yeah. And it and it is one of those classic cases of there are all like so many pieces of this are choice writing choices that were made to move from point A to point B to point C. They're motivated yeah. by nothing. Um It needed another element. It's it's too straightforward mm-hmm. once it starts going down its path it's kind of like yeah you see all the you see all the twists and turns coming you see all the scares coming <clears throat> excuse me uh i just felt like it needed something else for like sophie thatcher to do yeah i don't know and i don't know what it is i don't have a yeah. pitch for it but it just it just started to get a little tedious yeah and i want to reiterate because this is something that i also talked to eric about when we got out of the movie my distaste for this creature design yes um yes. which I would say in many, many scenes, you could just substitute this thing for one of the monsters from A Quiet Place. Which is one of the writers. The writers who wrote this wrote A Quiet Place. And I was trying to find it. um, The end end of the actual short uh, describes the boogeyman to a certain degree. And it's really creepy. Um, and I did manage to pull up the short story. Um, and so some things he mentions, there's, there's always like the, it's at a point in the story, it's described almost like a, a slug mm-hmm. sort of like it's leaving a trail, like it's kind of leaving a trail of goop, um, described as having a talking like it talks first of all which i think would have been more interesting mm-hmm. uh instead of this thing just being a, a screeching creature uh the words sound as if they had come through a mouthful of rotted seaweed <laughs> right uh it describes the boogeyman as having one rotted spade claw hand which I don't really know what that means, but it sounds cool. Um, yeah, and uh, just overall, it's a real miss. I think it feels so uncreative. The, yeah, the, the, the creep, what they've done with the creature here. Yeah, but overall, not a lot worked particularly well for me. No, I agree with you. It's definitely a uh, a slash for me on our scale. Um, I do, yeah, I want to see more of Sophie Thatcher doing things. Mm-hmm. I hope she gets some good opportunities. I'm sure she will. Yeah. She seems like she's the breakout star of Yellow Jackets. I think so. In a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, yeah, for me, well, oh, something that I forgot to mention. So this was originally destined for Hulu. 
Um, oh. And it kind of had a reverse prey tra- trajectory. Uh, it tested it. It's it audience screened its way out of Hulu and into a theatrical yeah. release. Prey should have gotten that release. Prey's a good movie. No kidding. Yeah. Um, but it is it is an interesting sort of thought experiment. If this movie had just been on Hulu, I would have liked it more. Yeah, I would have too. I think so yeah, yeah. <laughs> just like I, I, I really do. Yeah, it's a little it's a little more impressive for uh, a streamer movie. But yeah. yeah, for a big theatrical release of a Stephen King adaptation, it it's not. It's not. It's a slash well, for me too. Oh, we had an email. Oh yeah, that's right. I said it right from Steve. Sorry, we don't usually do those at the end of the yeah. show, and I wanted to think about it. Good memory. I think okay. The email you pull up who it's from. It's from Stephen Day, who's who's emailed okay. us before. Stephen, we always appreciate your participation. You put the rest of your fellow listeners to shame. They should be embarrassed with themselves. So Stephen says, "Hello, Mike and Eric. According to my podcast app, the first episode of Kill Street came out May twenty fifth." 2020 which means your third anniversary has recently come and gone we did not realize this we didn't realize but that that is accurate so we are we're two months into our fourth year wow um he wanted to congratulate us on this milestone has a question has there ever been a series one of you really wanted to cover that the other person flat out said no to hmm I was giving this some thought. There's, I don't know a flat out no. Mm-hmm. There have been pitches that Mike has deemed not of the season, <laughs> <laughs> but never in a way that's like, we'll never do that series. Yeah. It's more of like, eh, that feels more of like a winter yeah. movie to me than. And I think that's kind of the tricky part of answering this question, Stephen, which is like, we rarely, I don't think we've ever had cause to say, no, we're not going to do that. It's always just no. like that's not going to be what we do next, because. And I think maybe first, there's a series that we've both realized we're not going to do. Mm-hmm. Like, for instance, I mean, I don't think we'll ever really do Puppet Master. Maybe, maybe it's so fucking long. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. That's like, do uh, we want to spend three months yeah. talking about Puppet Master? Probably not. And you know, we're boring because if you listen to the to the show Eric and I usually don't fall too far from each other in our opinions on stuff. So there are some, there are some series that we've, we've thrown out there that like to Eric's point that we've both said, well, fuck no, we're never doing that. I think resident evil was one of those. Um, that was more of a you thing. Okay. I, but I mean, I would do resident evil. I like, I mean, what's the, what's what's the vampires? Werewolf? Underworld? Underworld, yeah. Would, I would not do it. Okay, I would never do yeah, Underworld. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so there's one. Yeah, just things. There are certain things that, like, are sort of uh, tangential to horror, almost, yeah. that get branded as horror, but it's like that's so far from the spirit of the kind of movies that we cover. Or just so of such a low quality that we wouldn't even want to waste time on it. Yeah. And that is I would say that's the ginger dead man rule. Yeah, we learned our lesson there. <laughs> like, I don't know that I ever want to do the killer bong movies. No, we won't. You know. Yeah. Um or Yeah, those are kind of like the most hard nose that I, but otherwise mm-hmm. I could I could see a world where we do 
pretty much any yeah main, anything. Yeah, I think that's probably right. Maybe like some like super obscure or really objectionable thing mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to do. Um, I am trying to think of if they like for either one of us if there's something. I mean, I guess okay. So in one direction, it would be Resident Evil, right? That's something you would yeah. be willing to cover that I think I would probably veto. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of anything that you would want to do that I, I would want to do yes, that yeah. you wouldn't want to do. Um, that's a good question. Probably not. Yeah. Like, I, it would have to be something that's really abhorrent in its. Like, I just, while doing the colon exam, I stumbled mm. upon a Japanese series that's called, like, Rape Angels or something like that. Why would you put that forward as something I would suggest? No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm not saying you would ever pitch this, but it would it would be something of, like, yeah, which you would never do because you're very <laughs> empathetic in, like, not, you don't, you don't enjoy those things. But like I, I don't think I don't see a world where we would do any sort of like really mm-hmm. like a faces of death month or something like that doesn't seem fun. Yeah, I think really anything that you would classify as torture porn that goes beyond like the sort of more mainstream yeah. stuff in that in that part of the genre. Like I would do saw or not saw. Yeah, I would do saw begrudgingly hostile. hostile. Yeah. yeah. Um but those aren't things that I get really excited to do. Same. That's yeah. just more of a personal taste. Like it's just not. I don't enjoy those kind of movies. Yeah. Really, for me, Eric's right. He kind of hit the nail on the head when it comes to me vetoing stuff. A lot of it is more like the semantics of, uh, of of like this doesn't work because it violates this rule that exists in my head, or yeah, you know, the resistance to like doing. We've been pit. I think you've pitched once or twice the idea of doing a single episode, and I'm like, no, we can't. That's not what we do. We yeah, well, we have. We've done it before. What did we do? Didn't we do, uh, um, zombie? Uh, no, we did a uh, World War Z. Oh yeah, yeah. I guess you're right. Like it was an addendum to to the Romero Dead series, I guess. Yeah, but you're yeah. right. It is a movie that is not part of a franchise yeah all right so i hope that answer wasn't too unsatisfying Stephen. thank you for emailing yeah. yeah thanks for emailing if you have any questions um at all or if you have opinions on it chapters one or two and then uh, or the boogeyman mm-hmm. you can write to us at uh killstreakpod at gmail.com Follow us on Instagram at killstreakpod scott's always doing great posts over there amen letting you know what's coming up yeah, I'm killing the website. <laughs> yeah, so if you were, for some reason, You're... getting all of your Killstreak needs from killstreak.com, <laughs> it's going away. Yeah, there was an MP3 player embedded with new episodes, and I'm like, I wonder if two people ever listened to a whole yeah. episode of this on the website. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, well, anyways, your chance is come and gone. I'm not paying for another year of WordPress. Nope. Um, all right, maybe you'll see another episode, but more than likely we'll not. Hey, maybe Mike will want to. I mean, I don't want to put you on the spot. Maybe you'll put in a filler episode like oh, I did. Oh my once. goodness! Yeah, but who knows? Okay, I'm... maybe there'll finally be an episode that doesn't include me. <laughs> That's a it'll be a tough opportunity to turn down, I guess. Yeah. All right. And as always, welcome to the Losers Club. It was a choice between that or. 
Try tickling your pickle for the first time. <laughs> I think they both work. 